Now that we have this peaceful time, let me disturb it. Disturbing the peace. I was uh, in elementary school, middle school, high school in the 60s. In the 60s, for those of you that were not around, were times where the peace was disturbed. So it's in the, kind of the middle of the civil rights movement. And so there's a lot of street demonstration. It's the, the kind of the hippie movement and the free love movement and protest against the Vietnam War and assassinations. I mean, it was a tumultuous time. The peace of America was really disturbed. And in some ways, the images that I saw, I saw a lot of images of uh, people on the street. Uh, just in, in protest. And so a, as a young kid, I mean, that kind of etched its way into my mind. I remember that. And then as I reflect upon kind of where we are and how we are and this and that, I don't see much of that. I don't. I, I see uh, maybe the internet is taking the place of the streets. I don't know. I see a lot of protests on the internet. But I don't see a lot of people out on the street. But where we're going today is there is a street protest <laughs> And, and it's, I just want to try to connect where we're going in, in Acts with what's happening in our day. Now, a, as I kind of go down this initial path, I, you know, I, again, when, whenever I put something up on the screen, I'm using something as an illustration. I'm not making a statement of a position. If I'm going to state a position, I'll tell you clearly what my position is. But as we have been praying for and we've been concerned about Katie and Nat, uh, obviously we're following the news. And just as I was kind of, I was studying our passage and I realized about the street, I realized, wow, there was a lot of street demonstrations. And those street demonstrations that are happening in all kinds of places around the world, you see Stockholm, Serbia, you see Mexico, you see Melbourne, you see Sydney, Korea, Colombia, New York, Chicago, Washington, Philadelphia, Rome, Germany, Greece, Oslo. All of those protests, uh, if, if you read the details, the protests are not a, they're not a pro-Palestinian, anti-Israeli, or you can reverse that. It's, it's, it's these protests that are happening because of the current cycle of violence in the Middle East are really protests of there's got to be another way. There's got to be a way for these two people groups to reconcile. And so people are going to the street to say, well, what can we do as a world community to help stop this cycle? And so if you want to know my position, I'm pro-peace. I want there to be peace in the Middle East. I believe there can be peace. I don't think we have to wait till Jesus returns. Now, I do know when he returns, there will be. I know that. But I think, and again, this is my grid. You don't have to accept this. But when Jesus returns, and if I'm still on the planet, I think one of the questions he's going to ask me, because I'm interested in this area, is what did you do to promote peace? between the Israeli and the Palestinian. And if I said to him, well, I didn't do anything. Well, you remember the old thing of, well, you know what I gave him and take away from him. There's kind of a correction. You know, you were not a good and faithful steward of what I gave you. I mean, that's my, again, that's my personal grip. I don't believe I'm pro-Israeli. I'm not pro-Palestinian. I'm pro 
Israeli and pro-Palestinian. You see, we don't just live in an either-or world. I'm really, really tired of the either-or world. I live in a both-hand world. And so I believe God's mercy and God's love and His power is both to Israel and to the Palestinians. Not one or the other. It's not an either-or proposition. It's both-hand. So these three demonstrations, and they go on Algeria, Turkey, India, Indonesia, Montreal, Ottawa, the Netherlands, Manchester, Sheffield, London, Birmingham, Ireland, Spain, Dublin, France. I mean, there are these street protests all over the world right now. There are people that are on the street saying, enough is enough is enough. This endless cycle can stop. I don't see that as much in our community as I see it in the news. And it leads me into when Paul kind of went out on mission, there are times that there were street protests. And we're going to go towards one of those this morning. On the second missionary journey, as Paul has recruited Timothy and as Silas has joined them, this, this team of three meandering across Asia Minor, visiting churches that they started the first missionary journey, they end up in Europe. They end up in Philippi. The team of Paul and Silas and Timothy took two to three weeks of wandering about Asia Minor to finally get the direction from the Holy Spirit through a vision to Paul, come over to Macedonia and help. Come over to Macedonia and help us was what the vision was. Macedonia is Europe. Now, when they get to Philippi, what we, what we discovered last week is that the man in the vision actually ends up being a woman, Lydia. So, again, it just teaches us something about, you know, as Jesus and the Holy Spirit lead us, sometimes he gets us in the right place and then things unfold maybe a little bit different than what the vision was. So the very first person they helped was Lydia, a woman. Guess what? Today they're going to help another woman. They're going to get to the men somehow. But if they're now in Europe... They're now helping women with the good news of the kingdom. In Acts 16, 16 to 24, one day, on our way to the place of prayer, a slave girl ran into us. She was a psychic. And with her fortune telling, made a lot of money for the people who owned her. She started following Paul around calling everyone's attention to us by yelling out, These men are working for the Most High God. They're laying out the road of salvation for you. She did this for a number of days until Paul finally fed up. Not that with her is a bad translation. He's not fed up with her. He's just agitated. So he turned and he commanded the spirit that possessed her, out, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of her. And it was gone. Just like that. When, when her owners saw that their lucrative little business was suddenly bankrupt, they went after Paul and Silas. They roughed them up. They drank, dragged them into the market square. And then the police arrested them and pulled them into a court with these accusations. These men are disturbing the peace. 
dangerous Jewish agitators subverting our Roman law and order. By this time, the crowd had turned into a restless mob out for blood. The judges went along with the mob, had Paul and Silas's clothes ripped off and ordered a public beating. After beating them black and blue, they threw them into jail, telling the jailkeeper to put them under heavy guard so that they would have no chance of escape. So he did just that, threw them into the maximum security cell in the jail and clamped plagued irons on them. Wow. This Roman world that Paul and Silas and Timothy walk into, while, while it was Roman in Asia Minor, while it was Roman in Jerusalem and in Syria, it's been Roman the whole way. They're moving closer to Italy. They're moving more towards the heartbeat of the Roman Empire. Philippi is a Roman colony. There is no synagogue in Philippi. So they have stepped into a new territory. And as they step into that new territory, there's Roman law and order. Now that law and order said it was okay to have slaves. Matter of fact, the Roman Empire was a slave-dependent culture. The Roman Empire depended upon slavery to be part of the system. 30, 30 to 40% of people in Italy in the first century were slaves. The culture, the economy of the Roman Empire depended upon slaves. Now, if you take that... The owners of this slave girl depended upon her to make their money. So their personal economy was dependent upon a slave girl. And that slave girl had a spirit of divination. In the, the third century, which is a little further down the road, there was a law that the emperors of the Roman Empire, they wrote it. It says, we do not condemn divination. Divination was okay. Another way to say that from Paul and Silas's and Timothy's word was demon possession is okay. So now you're going to have this wait a minute. The Roman law and order allows for things that the kingdom of God says no. And that's the tension. That's why Paul is getting agitated. Paul gets agitated because as they are walking to this place of prayer, as they're trying to deliver, announce the good news of the kingdom, all of a sudden, there's this demonized girl following them. And Paul knows this young lady has a demon in her. And for days, he's... I mean, it's, I guess he's just trying to, what, I don't, what am I supposed to do? Jesus, I'm in a new city. We're in new territory. This girl is demonized as followers. And this girl is a slave. And she's making money for her master. She doesn't benefit from having a demon. She makes money for her masters. That began to agitate, disturb Paul. Then beyond that, hey guys, 
Our job is to announce the kingdom in Philippi. And we've, we've done that with Lydia. We're doing that at the place of prayer. prayer but, you know, on the streets, kind of walking down to the, the, the prayer place. The evil one, the devil, is actually announcing what, what, what he's saying about the kingdom is, I mean, it's spot on. These are the servants of the Most High God. And they're here proclaiming the way of salvation. That's the, that's the truth. But the conflict was, that's the right message, but the messengers were wrong. And so if that message is coming through the wrong messenger, then maybe the community that's listening to it is saying, well, I, I guess that message of the kingdom, I guess that message of Jesus is connected to divination, and I guess we'll have to pay to be a part of it. So you, you begin to understand why Paul would begin to be greatly disturbed. Roman law and order says it's okay. The servant of the Most High God says it's not okay. And it reaches a place after several days, and I'm going to think that probably what Paul was waiting for was direction, guidance from the Holy Spirit. And in, in that day, he got it and he turned around and he said, get out. In the name of Jesus, leave. And in that moment, that slave girl, enslaved to a demon, was set free. But then at that same moment, Paul stepped into a hornet's nest because he messed with somebody's profit. Somebody was making money. So you see, Paul, even though the Roman law and Roman order and even the Roman peace was based upon laws of slavery, laws of divination, Paul's representing the kingdom of God. Now, the guys that saw him thought that he was a Jewish agitator. He's not a Jewish agitator. He's a Jew who's following Jesus, but actually, he is a dangerous kingdom agitator. <laughs> he happens to be a Jew. But it's not the Jewish law and Jewish custom that's bumping into Roman law and custom. It's the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that kingdom, you set people free who are demonized. You don't leave them in that place. You let people free from human trafficking. This is human trafficking. When you take a young girl and you allow that young girl to be in bondage to an evil spirit, and you make money from her divination. That's what you call human trafficking. And in the kingdom of God, that's not okay. That's not tolerable. We don't know. We're not just going to let that happen. And then also, it's, it's a freedom from poverty. You've got a slave, a slave girl whose basic needs would have been met as long as she made money for her owners. But the profit that was given for her divination went to the owners, not to the slave girl. She's poor. She's not earning. And Paul said, no. In the kingdom of God. Well, no, we, we, 
No, people can't be in bondage to demons. No, people can't be trafficked like that. No, you can't. You can't profit off of someone else's misery. No, no, no. That's the agitation that's bubbling up is in Paul. Rome says it's okay. God says it's not okay. So these two cultures are colliding. Do you get the picture? I don't think it's that much different than today. But I do have some questions for us. What will it take for the unjust systems in our culture to agitate us to action? One of the things I think that we have to really, really help each other with, the unjust systems of the world, and it probably was true in Paul's day as it is true in our day, they get, it gets confusing because there are these political powers at work. Political powers means there's special interest groups on any side of any, any issue. There are people that will benefit if this system stays this way. There are people that will benefit if it goes this way. And so you and I have got to sort through that. We've got to sort through it. Not be recruited. I don't want to be recruited into a special interest group that benefits from either keeping things the way they are or changing things to something else. I want to be fully in the kingdom of God and representing the king. And it, I think, I think we've got to really help each other. So part of helping each other, we've got to have some hard conversations about some hard issues. And most of us, we're really passionate about some of these issues. And that's really good, and we shouldn't be afraid of that. We should be able to sit down together and say, there's this issue, there's this, 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 this is what I think right now. What do you think? Well, I don't agree with you. Okay, we've got to learn how to disagree with you. But through that conversation, we've got to find the truth. So when, what the, the point is, what will it take for us to get on the street? For the church to wake up and represent the kingdom of God. Not a political party, not a political agenda, not a special interest group. But, but to really represent the kingdom of God. I believe that Angie brought to us some facts about an immigration issue on our border that includes some human trafficking issues. We should look deeply at that. And we, as people who are following Jesus, we've got to be able to cut through the political rhetoric and get to a place where we will take action for humanity. Putting up on the screen today street demonstrations that are not pro-Israeli in our part of the world means that I'm anti-Israel. No, I don't know. Not what that means at all. I'm pro-humanity. I'm pro-peace. I want the violence to stop for the benefit of Israel and the Palestinians. It's not good for Israel and it's not good for the Palestinians. 
It's an unjust system. What's going to... What, I mean, how many people have to die? How many kids have to be killed in Gaza? Before the church stands up and says, no, wait a minute, time out. Yes, we want Israel to be secure. Yes, that's true. Within its borders. But when Israel, when it moves out of its borders, into the borders of others, we've got to stop and say, wait a minute. What will it take? Our economy is a, is a disaster. What's it going to take for the church? To, there's something unjust happening in our system. Our political system is a wreck. It's not what our, our founding fathers, it's really what the founding fathers warned. As soon as those in power learn that they can get money out of the treasury, you're doomed. If you don't have moral leaders, this system isn't going to work. Guess what? We do not have moral leaders. By and large. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? For us to represent the kingdom. For the benefit of all of our neighbors and the nations. When will our kingdom customs collide with what's proper and accepted in our culture? See, I don't believe those of us that are following Jesus represent the status quo at all. That's not... I mean, Jesus did not represent the status quo of his day. What we've read today, Paul is not representing the status quo of the Roman Empire. We do not represent the status quo. We represent something better for everybody on the planet. When will that kingdom customs collide with what's proper and accepted. And we actually do something in protest. When will our announcements and demonstration of the kingdom disturb the peace of our empire? <coughs> These kingdom agitators they're disturbing the peace of our kingdom. What, I mean, well, do you ever get the idea that maybe we're just too kind, maybe, sometimes? Maybe we've grown like comfortable. I mean, we kind of arrange the things around us that we don't have to be disturbed by the things that are happening.
that had my that's it, I'm done. But I want to go back to the first question. What will it take for the unjust systems in our culture to agitate us to action? And I want to ask you, in a kingdom moment, in a kingdom time, if there is an unjust system, so I'm not inviting you to go off about people. I'm inviting you to go off about a system. We have systemic problems. People are involved in that. But it's a systemic problem. If you are agitated enough to take an active stand to see things improve for the better, for captives to be set free, for things to be set right, would you like to just stand and say, you know, I, I am agitated about something enough to do something about it? Go ahead and stand. This is, this is your opportunity. I'd like you to come and just tell me what the systemic problem is. And I would like them to be recorded, so I'm going to let you speak into this. Because I want it recorded. Okay? So, come on. Dorothy, Mike, David. What's on my heart is close to home, and it's just all these children. And, and, and as I watch the news, you know, and there's all these people that are angry that these kids are flooding our borders, I'm thinking, what's, what's written on the Statue of Liberty? Give us your glory or complete I'm thinking, really? These are children? Jesus said, let the children come to me. And so, I've been asking myself, what? What can we do? And um, so that's, that's what's on my heart. That just, to just send them back to the place they're fleeing from seems so wrong. And we have so many households here that, you know, want children. It's so hard to adopt children. It's so expensive. I just don't get it. So. You want to add anything? My concern is to keep coming back to the reality that the church is in the political posture instead of the kingdom posture. So I think we're all familiar with a lot of Christians who have to be right politically. But Jesus' kingdom is not even of this world. It is devoid of the political system. It stands in a place of genuine human freedom. And instead of picking sides, they have a political view of the text. These kids are in. It's just going for me. Stop running. So, uh, the Holy Spirit is in those people. That they have assumed the political posture. That they have stopped missing. Things could change. Okay. Uh, I'm just with my mom and with um, sending away the kids, you know, they're probably running to someone's side of their family. They're trying to escape the drug war. I really think it's right to send them. Back into that. No. If you share that there's a systemic problem concerning immigration, kids at the border, if you share that concern, would you go kind of join the Dobsons? 
that's where your heart is. Oh, you don't have, yeah, well, you'll have opportunity. <laughs> so, Mary Ann, do you have another concern? I am concerned for the uh, system of violence and oppression that is in place in Israel and Palestine. And it takes its toll on um, uh, individual citizens, it takes its toll on um, countries, it takes its toll on um, young people who are uh, recruited into the army in Israel, who are recruited into the uh, protests, demonstrations, things like that in Palestine. Uh, it's a systemic problem, and our prayers for, for God to bring down those people of violence and oppression, and who have a, a vested interest in the status quo. We want to see men of peace, men and women of peace, raise up with new ideas. So if you go right over here, if uh, you kind of you can move around, you don't have to stay static in one room. But if you have a concern about Israeli-Palestinian conflict, the systemic problems there, if you'll join your or have another concern? Um, I resonate with both of these issues, but um, just as I'm in school, I'm learning about food insecurity. So 14.5 million households in the U.S. Um, are food insecure, and most of those affect children. So there's children all over the U.S. and a prosperous nation that don't know where they're going to get the next meal from. Um, and there's systems in place, food programs like WIC, um, SNAP, but there needs to be, um, yeah, the systems just need to work better and people take advantage of them. And, um, yes, there's just, it's a faulty system. Um, and there shouldn't be that many kids that are hungry in the U.S. It's, yeah, horrible. And then with kids coming over, um, you know, that adds another thing to food insecurity. So it seems to be that it'll just grow. Um, people that are bringing the kingdom um, to those that are literally hungry um, for food and also bringing Jesus. You'll go over towards the snack table, that seems appropriate. Sure. And then I'll go Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can you stop her? Mr. 
just let's go for the common things, the, the, the things that we've got in common. All right, so thank you for the uh, concerns that you've expressed. And I just want to just walk us through what I think could be the next step for us, and then I'm going to invite us to take that step. One, I believe that what Jesus has given to us can solve every problem that we have we've talked about. I think that the good news of Jesus, the good news of his kingdom, is big enough, powerful enough to change every system. And that's going to take us involved, and it's going to take him involved. It's a lot of work. But I think, one, we've got to start with, do we really believe that? Do we believe that what we believe and the one that we believe in can really make a difference in our world in all of these systemic problems? And if we do, I think that's where the Lord's Prayer fits in. Because one, we start with, our, our Father is in heaven, and the Lord Jesus Christ is right beside him, which means he is above every one of these problems. So he sees them all. He's not involved in, he's not entrenched in them. He's above them all. And so when we say, now let your kingdom, which doesn't have these systemic problems, let your rule come. We're inviting him to step into our broken systems and to set those things right. And so we can say something like, influence us with the power and the dignity of your rule as we have this burden. You see, Paul, when he cast out the demon, he didn't do it in the name of Paul. He didn't do it with his authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. With the authority of Jesus, I say to you, leave demon, because God's setting this right. It's his authority. So we, we ask that, the, the, that we would be influenced with his power and then his dignity in dealing with these things. The last one is really where the, it's the kicker. Let your will be done on earth now. It's not later. It's not when Jesus is now. And what we're really, the nuance of that phrase is Jesus what do you want to do through us on the earth concerning the systemic problem? So again, it's not me doing it. It's not you doing it. It's Jesus doing what he wants to do through us. When we get to that place and that begins to register in us, then we become people who really, truly, genuinely are engaged in solving the problems of our planet. So what I want to invite is that we, that's how we end our time, with that kind of a prayer. So if you want to stay in this group and pray, or if you want to pray a little bit there, and you want to jump over here, and those of you that don't have that, any kind of the, you know, you're not carrying the torch, but you share, you resonate with anybody that's standing, we all just want to move. I'd like for at least two people to pray together in the way that I just encourage us to pray. And that will be our time. You know, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it's being done now. Okay? So let's let's go.